0: I'm Peter and I'm Felice. Welcome to our travel podcast. We're specialist travel writers and we've spent half a lifetime exploring every corner of the world.
1: So we want to share with you some of our extraordinary experiences and the amazing people we've met along the way.
0: This week we're exploring the high octane and sometimes dangerous world of powerboat racing. Daisy Coleman and her brother Sam come from Wales and are the reigning P1 world champions. We caught up with them, safely on land, at their home village of Saundersfoot on the beautiful Pembrokeshire coast. Daisy and Sam Coleman, welcome to our podcast. Now, powerboat racing is said to be the fastest growing marine motorsport. Tell us about it. How does it differ from racing on asphalt?
2: It couldn't be far, far from different to race on asphalt, to be honest, because... Unless you had a wobbly melting moving asphalt track then um then it would be a bit more similar, but because the water changes not just every lap but every hundred yards of water is different so uh you can't rely on um on thinking oh I'm going to come around in this corner the same as it was last time because basically there's no there's no outline defined track there's no lines on the course. Your racing lines are all in your head and depth perception, and that's where a lot of the skill comes in, in managing, uh, managing the water immediately in front of you.
0: So what you're saying is the course is constantly changing all the time?
2: Yeah, it's evolving all the time, not just from wave patterns and stuff, because we do race offshore and not on lakes where it would be a little bit uh, a bit flatter, but you've also got the wakes from other boats to take into account, as well as wind and tide. So it gets pretty complex, but uh, pretty hectic and pretty fun, should I say. Mm.
3: You find you've got to be a lot more reactive as opposed to proactive. So we can't we can't second we can't assume that like Sam Sam said that the course is going to be the same as it was last time. So you've really got to think on your feet and think quickly and have a really good team dynamic in the boat and to react accordingly and get the best out of the conditions.
1: So how did you two first get involved in power boating?
3: Well, purely by chance, really. um I was invited, I was medically discharged from the armed forces in 2013, and I was invited down to a corporate sponsorship day that's been hosted by Mission Motorsport. Mission Motorsport uses uh, motorsport as a platform to aid veteran recovery and help the transition into civilian walks of life. I got asked if I wanted to have a go. I, I actually went down originally, I thought jet skis looked fun. Asked if I wanted to have a go, really enjoyed it. And then, uh, despite having no boating background, got invited to go do the training and did quite well within it. So, yeah, so it was purely by Chance when people say how, how do you get in it? Did you have sort of the racing pedigree? Not really, just circumstantial, and took to it as a duck to water. And how about you,
2: Sam? Well, I was a bit of a jealous big brother, to be honest. I was always the petrol head, and Daisy's always ridden horses and still does. Daisy had these opportunities through the through the fact that she was in the armed forces and looking to come out of the armed forces and find different things and stuff in civilian life. So um, when Daisy ended up racing powerboats on Sky Sports. And I'm sat there looking with my mouth hitting the floor, thinking, how is my sister racing boats on TV? And I'm uh, still back home in Pembrokeshire. I ended up helping out the team that Daisy was racing for at the time, like a driver owner team, quite a small team, pretty handy with engineering and things like that. So I went along to help out and long story short, two full years later, I ended up racing the boat that this guy owned when he decided to retire. So I was pretty fortunate to get involved as well.
0: So are there different classes in boat racing as there are in car racing, like Formula One and Formula Two?
2: Yeah, there's many different formats. We've got the formula categories. Like you say, Formula One, Formula Two, there is formula one formula two formula four powerboat racing they race more on flat water and lakes their boats look not dissimilar to fighter jets they're catamarans and they fly just above the water there's basically about six inches of the back of their boat touching the water and they're piloting them above the water that's circuit racing as we call it and then we're in more the offshore style which is that's single seaters in the circuit racing and then we race more the offshore style which is a bit more like your traditional boat there we are catamarans which are very similar but bigger, and then we tended to race a V-bottom boat with a single hull and an outboard engine. The easiest parallel would be if Formula One is parallel to Formula One boat racing and circuit racing asphalt, well we would be more like rallying.
1: And how fast do you go?
2: Our boat back in the championship in 2016-17 was 70 miles an hour. And then our boat in America that we raced pre-COVID, unfortunately, we're looking at more like 80 miles an hour, and that was a canopied boat for safety reasons. We had a closed and like breathing apparatus and stuff. Because we were going that little bit faster, there's more safety features involved. We were lucky to be racing with Team Geico, which is uh, sponsored by a big insurance company in America. And their Class 1 Premier boat runs at 170, 180 mile an hour. Anything from 70 mile an hour, which is fast on water, to 170 mile an hour, which is incredibly fast on water, because it'd be the equivalent of driving a Ferrari across a ploughed field.
0: So it's pretty bumpy. I mean, you're being thrown around all the time. Yeah. So Daisy, that must be difficult for you after you're very serious shoulder injury which is why you left the army does that affect you now when you're
3: so we've got a fantastic dynamic when it's really rough um so my job is i'm literally sam's eyes and ears throughout so my head is on a swivel and i'm constantly looking around adrenaline kicks in so uh, my injury doesn't give me any jip but sam's really great and warning me he'll tell me don't look now because it, we're going to hit a big one sort of thing so it's only if you get the, if you get the timing wrong um that it might give me a little bit of jip but i find that um, it's not too bad and plenty of physio and plenty of exercises keeps on top of it really
0: does you're the co-pilot or or the navigator and you're the, the actual pilot do you say pilot or driver I don't know
2: you can call us whatever you like really uh, as far as I'm concerned I'm a puppet with a pedal and a steering wheel and Daisy tells me where to go and where to be on the track is very much eyes and ears I've got to focus on the next let's say 300 yards worth of water and the immediate goal is to be as smooth as you can and not lose any time or or have any errors across that because each little mistake just adds up because it's it's a constant. The boat's bouncing backwards and forwards, left to right, and you've got to balance it front to back, left to right. The least of the boat that's touching the water, the less drag, and the faster you go. So each little minor tap, left to right, they call it, can knock off maybe 0.2 of a mile an hour, or maybe 0.2 of a second. And then you have 10 of those down a straight. That's a second on the lap, and it just it just adds up. So it's all about consistency. So I'm always focused straight ahead. And then Daisy will pretty much be just looking behind. If we're in the lead, Winner. hopefully she's she's looking behind. When we come into a corner, I won't look behind or look inside. I'll still be focusing ahead, but looking at the track in my peripheral and using my depth perception to sort of plot a racing line. And then Daisy will tell me if it's clear to turn in. And if it's clear to turn in, we'll use the ideal racing line, the qualifying racing line. If she says that there's a boat on her inside, we'll go one boat without, so you always leave just enough room for the person on your inside just in case Oh, you wouldn't want to obviously have an accident in that scenario sort of thing.
0: So very much parallel to rally driving?
2: Oh, very much so, yeah, yeah. But when Daisy said, uh, I, I said, don't look now, she's not referring to like close your eyes and hold on it's more (laughs) it's more don't turn around and look now because we're going to hit a big wave and you may crick your neck kind of don't Mm -hmm. look now not not just close your eyes and hope for the best.
3: (laughs) And how fit do you have to be to do this? I think the world championships it really sort of sets apart so we were racing for a good hour in the race itself wasn't it and I think that the fitness some of the other teams probably didn't stay on top of their fitness maybe so much and you can see that the fatigue starting to set in so it does make a difference it's like with any sport and any athlete it's the thinking time it's the preparation and think that hour-long racing really sort of set people about so yeah you absolutely have to be fit and just be sharp in your mind as well as as physically you know it's it's all connected so what
1: do you do to keep fit for it
3: sam you're more of the fitness freak than i am aren't you (laughs) i wouldn't
2: say such a freak i was uh (laughs) I was fit before I started power boat racing. I suppose, but it depends what you're fit for. Maybe I was due to enter Ironman Tembi in 2015, a week before the event, after a, a year's training or whatever, I got the phone call from uh, one of Daisy's rival teams at the time, or I, our rival teams to say their driver was injured and they'd heard that I'd done my race training and done quite well. And would I like to drive their race boat that weekend? So that was my Ironman journey or career, for want of a better word, down the pan. And I forego a year's training to race that race, I never knew that I'd get the opportunity to do it again, so I always thought there was next year for Ironman. But I've, uh, I still I haven't, I still go. haven't done the Ironman. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but yeah, fitness-wise, I cycle, mountain bike, and um, and race, or well, ride a bit of motocross these days to keep myself fit. It's quite a parallel in terms of muscle function and stuff. Uh, you you do get a bit of a beating in the boat, so getting a bit of a beating from a motocross bike is uh, is quite similar, I'd say. Mm-hmm.
3: So. And
1: how about you, Daisy? What do you do to keep fit?
3: So I, I know Sam touched on it pa, um powerboat racing is obviously a sport that we've excelled in but horse horse riding is my passion so I've got a couple of horses and I'm currently renovating a farm so uh, my exercise these days is more about lifting hay bales and shifting things on the farm than it is so any cardiovascular I do kind of feel I did my time I did nine years in the military where I was running every day and kind of I, I pick and choose what I do now as I'd rather move a couple of hay bales and do some exercise on the horse than I would uh, go for a run so my spent my time's uh, more productive should we say for the Farm situation these days.
0: So, how dangerous is it? Can uh, you can you hurt yourself?
2: Well, if it wasn't dangerous, everyone would do it, wouldn't they? So, it is pretty dangerous. There was a fatality in 2012 in our category, uh, and unfortunately, one in 2018. Safety has moved on since that in both occasions, which is good. We're kind of catching up with the inshore circuit racing style, where we're now going to canopies in both the incidents unfortunately part of the problem was that people were thrown from the boat in in an accident a bit like sterling moss's days racing formula one they used to think it was safer to be thrown from the car than to stay with it kind of thing and i we're not quite so that old-fashioned in our safety views but it's not dissimilar that people still thought it was safer to be out of the boat than to be in it with the possibility of drowning but we're all trained with dunk tests and immersion tests and scuba trains, so you have a tank with you. You've got air, so when the boat goes over or if the boat goes over, you can sit there calmly, have a little breathe on your air canister and and then let yourself out. And it's then safer because you're in a, uh, say, a three or 4,000 Newton um, stress-tested cockpit. But if something did impact the boat, the chances are that you're in pretty good condition in there and you just wait to uh, wait to let yourself out.
3: Certainly with our series as well. I don't know if we touched on it. It's um, a once one design series. So all the boats are the same. Uh, so it really is close racing. And like Sam's already touched on the, sad, the two fatalities we've lost, and it was the result in being thrown on the racing line that was the most dangerous thing and, f- and fundamentally caused the fatality. So there's been some great waves being made or some um, new adaptions now that and the safety of the sport has really upped its game, so to speak, and just trying to keep you with it, with the boat, as opposed to throwing you clear and at risk of being taken out by the other boat. Do you ever feel scared? Uh, I don't know. I. Uh, no, <laughs> not. It's quite, it's quite funny. When I first started, it was the adrenaline, it was a buzz. And now, we're sort of going around when we go we do a couple of laps, it's like we just start going to test mode. And I don't know, you—they call it adrenaline junkie for a reason, don't they? And your boundaries get really do get pushed. So now it's like not a lot really scares me. I can remember once upon a time I used to love going on roller coasters, but now I'm like, is that it? <laughs> we both snowboard as well, so that's a passion of ours as well. When we can't get out um in the summer, but our, typically our season runs within the summer as we try to get out on the slopes
2: as and when.
0: And do you ever feel seasick?
3: No, because we're moving too fast, really, aren't we?
2: Yeah, there's not time to think about getting seasick. I mean, um, the only time we're sat rolling around is in between, in the master area or whatever, or in between races if we have to do. Sometimes the format means that we'll leave the port or beach or wherever we're racing from and uh, do two or maybe three heats back to back. And then that's the only time that you have a chance to sit there and roll around and maybe feel a little bit uh, of that. To C6 sensation but no nah, adrenaline overrides it and there's too much going on to even think about it so,
0: so how far offshore are you when you do this
2: I was very close to shore circuits with our format of racing it was designed to be spectator friendly so it could be taken to places where well, we've had some good venues in the UK but Greenock in Scotland we were on the Clyde we had a mile long course very close to the to the shore there so we were within 100 metres of spectators, mm-hmm. and then Bournemouth we run between the piers down at Bournemouth Beach, so Boscombe to Bournemouth Pier along the along the shore, and Milford we were in the um, in the estuary as well. So with our one design series P1 that we were in, we were in a lot more close course inshore, partly for television as well to keep the boats close together, but also to be able to more spectator friendly, classic offshore racing running from cows and the Isle of Wight to Torquay and back. But some of the stuff we were doing in America, they're more interested in running up and down the shore of the beach. So people are sat on the beach enjoying it and watching it as well. So trying to incorporate spectators a little bit more than the traditional maybe.
0: So you mentioned England and Scotland and America. Do you go elsewhere in the world?
2: America is, is as with many things, things tend to be bigger and Better as they think, maybe, maybe not always. And racing out there is just uh, pretty insane at the moment. So there's a few hotspots for powerboat racing around the world. The Italians love it. The UAE have a big thirst for it. There's two big teams based in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. But also Australia and New Zealand are pretty popular as well. But um, Florida seems to be the centre for the pinnacle of offshore racing at the moment. has moved from Dubai and Abu Dhabi to Florida and a lot of the foreign teams. as Australian team, Dubai team, Abu Dhabi team. Uh, and Italians tend to go to Florida to race at the moment, but uh, it is popular in other countries.
3: Pre-pandemic, we should be in Florida last year, shouldn't we? Well, so. yeah, we, do
2: it. Um, we were due to race in Florida again.
3: And how many boats take part in a race? So within our class specifically within P1, so we um, in uh, championships we've won. We've been racing sort of against 11 other teams. There's 12 in total. All the boats are the same as we touched on. Um, but not, like Sam's already said, over in Florida, the events that um, is, uh, that have been going on when we raced out the year before last, there was we we're talking 70 or 80 boats per event, which was pretty insane, wasn't it? Yeah, we, it was
2: um, great. I mean, the, the classes were stacked, and it was. Um, that was 70 or 80 boats, maybe over maybe over six or seven classes. So, uh, and there was very various different speeds and formats, and and different shapes and sizes. Some some look like you're just normal little out for a bit of wakeboarding boat down the smaller classes to, like I said, the giant 45 to 50 foot catamarans with twin inboard engines that um, that Geico run in the Premier Class One class as well. So, it's pretty interesting.
0: So you won the World Championships.
2: Yeah, we won the world championship within our um, within our category, which is P1, uh, and that was in Mumbai, in India, which was uh, quite the experience. Uh, there was they, were, they estimate there was two hundred and fifty thousand people lying in the shore of uh, Marine Drive in Mumbai uh, watching the race, and it was uh, broadcast live to I think it was on Sony ESPN in India uh, and around the world at the time, which was uh, very surreal for mm. a couple of a uh, couple of people from Pembrokeshire. <Yeah>.
0: So, mm. so you're the you're the reigning world champions, then
2: yeah there's not been a um We've
3: not been contested it hasn't
2: been contested <laughs> yeah. yet we haven't had the chance to uh to defend our title because we're still waiting for the organize the next there's tour uh, there's talk of one maybe in um in the uae somewhere uh but uh putting on big events like that it's not um we don't get those halo events quite as regular as like your world cups or whatever so uh They take a fair amount of logistics and getting local uh, countries and stuff interested. So we're the reigning world champions in our our discipline, yeah.
0: So you grew up by the sea in Pembrokeshire? Yeah. And were you mad keen about boats as children?
2: No, uh, I didn't drive a boat till 2013 when Daisy was racing boats, save for a friend's boat down um, the estuary down by um, the Jolly Sailor if I went for some... uh, Went for some wakeboarding with a mate or something, but other than that, it was no zero and um, literally zero boating experience for either of us, really. Um, what about you,
0: Daisy? Yes,
3: yeah, same goes. Is uh, I grew up from loving horses and it always been I've been always been a land lover um as apart from a mackerel fishing trip when I was probably about 12 years old that was my only sort of on water experience so to get invited down to the to do the training was pretty pretty special and then to be invited back to actually race um on the training itself with um seven times world champion Neil Neil Holmes I kind of felt a little bit out of my depth again another great pun but I felt, I did feel out of my depth because everybody on the course had boating experience and I was the only one who didn't so I didn't know my port for my starboard um, I didn't know any of this terminology this boating terminology and it came to the I didn't realise that um, on the training that they they had a 70% attrition rate. So 70% of people need to go back for more training to pass. And it got to the last day. And after feeling that I hadn't done very well, it turned out I was the only one to pass pass the mandatory race training. So the team had no choice but to chuck me in a boat three days later. So a bit of a baptism of fire. My first race was the cow's poop pool cows race which is a 35 nautical mile traditional offshore race and it was pretty it was pretty sketchy and pretty larry. didn't we didn't know how we we're going to get on it, I, it was really rough um as notorious it notoriously is was racing a 21 foot boat at the time sort of got off got off from the race and thought oh, i don't know if i want to do that again then found out we got third place on the podium and as competitive as i am i was like oh i can do this again and i actually quite enjoyed it <laughs> so um so yeah that was it but no no previous experience never really i, I am I, I am sort of a real seeker so i think that's where it comes in Is the fact that and i think we, we we've done well Some some and i believe us firm believers that we've walk, walked into this sport with a beginner's mindset in terms of we've accepted that we don't know the answers we haven't got a racing pedigree we haven't grew up on water so we've just absorbed everything like a sponge having that humility to be able to turn around and say we don't know teach us we, it means that we've been taught that uh, we've been taught correctly and we've absorbed it in the right way we don't have our own bad habits so which is a testimony to why we've done so well I think.
0: Is there a bias against women in powerboat racing like there are in lots of sports?
3: no so i wouldn't say so at all so in fact it's one of the only uh sports where you're on parity it doesn't matter when you've got a helmet on you've got a helmet on whether you're a, a girl or a boy is is irrelevant you know i wouldn't say there's any gender biases you do have less females within the sport for whatever reason but there are some absolutely fantastic female of public races out there as well so i don't think it's it's no more biased than anything else i mean i've always worked in male dominated environments haven't been in the military for so long so yeah there, there is a, a I would say there's a, a there is a bias but it's not discriminatory in, at all it's just simply not it's not many women have gone into it so so yeah
1: so if someone wanted to do this how would they start how would they learn
3: uh, so get out there I would say get some experience start networking reach out to us on social media um, we're always looking to try and get more people into the sport. Um, so reach out to our sport organizers as well our social media handles are at racing coleman You'll be able to get sam on instagram and me at p1 daisy and just drop us a message um there's plenty of information out there the, on youtube and things like that like, look at the videos and go give it a go if you can um
2: it's not a case of giving it a go though, if they haven't got a boat i mean how do they get yeah into the well sport? yeah that's true a if you do need yeah. a boat to start harbour racing i mean we were quite lucky the the way we've entered it uh, into a single series. But there are... Training centres in the UK. I mean, I highly recommend if you've got a boat and you're just doing, or oh, want to get one for pleasure, powerboat level two, a bit like a CBT for your bike or road bike, motorbike. Get out there and get some training at approved training centre because there's so much that you can learn, and it makes your boat and safer. But also, you'd be amazed at how much fun it is. These accredited centres can do an advanced powerboating and things like that, which you, you could you don't even need a boat to do these courses. They'll have the boats and facilities and things like that. But then you get some of the Clubs like Stuartby B Powerboat Racing Club, fantastic club. They're, I know they're not in Pembrokeshire or Wales at the moment, but they're they're based near Milton Keynes and Bedford, and they've got these small GT30 training boats which you can rent, and you can do training in a race environment in an inshore, so like a safe environment on a on a closed course inshore, and you can even rent them to enter races, which is the very beginnings of circuit racing. Like I said before, with the Formula Four, Two, and One, with the very fast inshore boats. But there's a lot to be learned from these clubs and these little boats just for having fun and racing. It's a little bit like go-karting, but on water with these boats. They're only 30 horsepower, but they do 50 mile an hour. Don't get me wrong, they're fast. But you can rent these things at places like Stewartby Water Sports Club and um, there's one in Lancashire at Car Mill as well. So,
1: Is it an expensive sport to do?
2: It depends. It can be. There's different levels. There's plenty of grassroots racing with offshore circuit racing, which you get all types of boats with from little 16 foot with a um, like a 90 house horsepower outboard on them up to your big stuff. But you can pick these little boats up and use them as a pleasure boat and go racing them. For a couple of thousand pounds, maybe. I mean, it's it's like maybe like starting out with motocross or any other motorsports, you can just turn up to these events and, and start racing. They have, they usually tend to offer training as well for course etiquette and safety features and stuff like that and how to how to navigate as well as part of the these clubs. But um the grassroots level is actually quite cheap to get into, to be honest, and a lot of fun.
1: Do you have have a license?
2: Yes. The licensing is taken care of by the clubs generally. So if you got in touch with like the OCR racing guys, or uh, if it was the inshore stuff, like at um, Stuart Bay and stuff. The people who run the clubs are extremely helpful.
0: So, what does a P1 power boat, a boat like yours cost?
2: Oh, million dollar question! I uh, was <laughs> um, the new boats that we were racing in America um, is hundred fifty thousand dollars for the boat with the engine, and then it's not available in the UK at the moment. But like I said, there are various uh, different levels and and stuff you can get into. I mean. Our team's class one boat, you're looking at more like a million dollars because of the bigger size and technology and stuff. But um, the um, the class we race in with the with the standardisation, same engine same propellers, same boat, so everybody's in with a chance. We're looking at 150,000 dollars in America.
0: So Daisy, where do you see yourself in five years' time?
3: Five years' time. Oh, good question. Well, pre-pandemic, the plan was to be in the summer racing boats and the winter snowboarding with the armed Paris para-snow sport team. But, but now we're in a post-pandemic environment. I'm not, not so sure, to be honest. Um, I've immersed myself in farm life currently. Um, I've bought a tractor and a digger and um, I'm making hay and um, got a couple of horses here. So I don't actually know. Um, yeah, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up, Peter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and sam you know, what's what's your job daytime job
2: day-to-day job is uh family business we've got a guest house um in saundersfoot so we're just on saint bride's hill there in saundersfoot and we're in a in a lovely little spot so uh, that takes up quite a lot of my time but also with it being a family business it mom and dad i'm very grateful that they're still in the business and they're um they're able to offer me the <laughs> the copious amount of times I time off I require in the summer to go race power boats.
0: If people want to know more about you and Coleman Racing, what are the websites?
2: The hotel website is malinhouse.com and we're just an informal family-friendly guest house. And then our website for the boat racing is colemanracing.co.uk.
0: Daisy and Sam Coleman, thank you very much for coming on the show. And once this pandemic is over, we wish you the very best of luck in the future in getting back to racing and continuing as world champions in P1.
3: Thank you very much. much.
1: Lovely to meet you both. Thank you. That's all for now. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our website, actionpacktravel.com or you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Amazon or any of the many podcast platforms. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We'd love you to sign up for our regular emails too at peter at actionpacktravel.com. Until next week, Stay safe. And I am you. And you are me. It's It's just a crazy storm. storm.